where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live audience. Welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. My name's Barry and joining me here is... I'm John. And I'm James. Thank you, Barry. You're joining us again. And thank you for that little introductory sting. This is episode six. What's it called? This is called Tan and Wash or Tan N Wash. Or Tan and Wash. Many ways of pronouncing it. <laughs> it aired on the 6th of November, 1986. Uh, John, who directed this episode? James Burroughs, as, as always, apart from that one time. And who wrote this one? Cherie Eichen and Bill Steinkellner, uh, the husband and wife team, right in this episode. Five gold stars to James. I'm going to be monitoring through this episode. And if you steal my facts again, James, you'll get minus. He's still not forgiven me for that episode last week where, <laughs> I, where I stole a tasty fact from him. I went, well, that fact is too tasty to pass up. I'm having it. You didn't even wait for a context to come up where it would make sense. Either way, we've got you some uh, tasty facts throughout this episode as they embark on a business venture. But first, the cold open. They're discussing dreams. And not necessarily like hopes and dreams, but more like, what did you dream last night? Yeah, which takes us back to that first episode. Barry rejoined us in a couple of episodes ago with the psychology debate, which was a nice little connection. Not intentional, but I liked it. And what do we learn from their dreams? Nothing. Oh, well, we learn a bit. We learn that Cliff is uh, ashamed of his body. <laughs> but they're all discussing like dreams where you're in the classroom naked or something like that, or you've got to do an exam and you're just in your underwear. Cliff says, oh, it was so embarrassing, wasn't it? And everyone else goes, no, it wasn't embarrassing. Embarrassing? How? Who's judging you, Cliff? And he goes, eh. And then Woody gives us an embarrassing dream of sorts. Uh, more surreal than embarrassing. Yeah, very strange. But... Very funny and very woody. Well, how about the one where you go to this fancy restaurant and before they let you in, they make you leave your legs at the door? <laughs> and the girl gives you claim check number six. So you go in, but instead of food, everyone's eating their silverware. Only you can't really enjoy your fork because you're so worried that whoever got claim check number nine might finish first and pick up your legs by mistake. <laughs> I think you could compare Woody's uh, Woody to sort of the surrealist world of Salvador Dali here, you know? Checking in your legs, <laughs> where you get someone else's. I'm just picturing melting clocks on the wall and everything. Yeah, I hate it when the clocks melt. <laughs> Can't tell time as easily when, you, when you've got melting clocks. So, John, how does this episode start? I believe it starts with uh, Norm coming into the bar. And he, he sort of talks about how he's had some quite successful business with a client recently who he saved quite a bit of money for. Just like last episode, you've skipped the tedious uh, <sighs> Diane and Sam back and forth. I, I just gloss over that these days, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's good that you're here because otherwise we'd miss the details. So enlighten us, Barry. Diane is trying to make Sam jealous. Uh, she initially starts by asking for time off work, a measly 10 minutes, uh, which for Diane is nothing. And uh, she's... Not pressed for why she wants this time, but she turns the conversation around and makes sure that Sam knows that she's going on a date with a doctor, I believe, to something very five-star and classy. Oh, yes. Chad. Is it the name of the person, not the location? <laughs> They're not going to a nation in Africa for a dinner date. So that sets up their storyline out there. So, but it's very much the B story in comparison to Tannen Wash, which is a kind of 
clandestine operation that Norm's involved in. Yeah, so he's he's hit some good business with a client where he's been able to save them quite a bit of money and make them a bit of money by diversifying their, their product, essentially. And their next scheme is a tannin wash. But something which uh, Norm does say is he managed to get a pair of Skyview seats for the Sox Yankee doubleheader tomorrow. Essentially, the way you show wealth in, in a sports bar is what tickets you got. And he's got better tickets than Sam. Oh, Sam's been after those tickets for ages. There's a lovely line, isn't there, that Norm says to Sam. Sam says, I've been trying to get these tickets for ages. And Norm says, well, it's not who you know, it's who I know. It's very smug. Steady on, Norm. It wasn't that long ago that you were looking for work. So, you know, that horse you've got is pretty high and you should get off it. After this discussion, and it turns out Norm seems to be quite a good accountant, which seems to be in contradiction with previous portrayals. But he has quite a few tips on how to diversify your portfolio, and the gang is interested. Initially, just Cliff takes him to one side, feigning disinterest, and then uh, tries to get in on the act to invest in this new business idea. Theoretically, a tanning salon slash laundry, there's not an issue with a combined business of this, because people do both those things. Yeah, it feels like they invented this for the episode. Quite a difficult thing to invent because I think they're aiming for comedy, but at the same time, they had to make it plausible like it might take off as well. We'll probably get onto a bit more, but tannin wash, the idea that you, you go in for a tannin salon and also coin-operated laundry at the same time. I'm not sure if I'd use the service, but I also don't tan very well. I have not gone to a tanning salon. Uh, I have at times gone to a laundry and I'd imagine it could they could work in theory. So you put your laundry in, you get your tan. When you come out, your laundry's ready. <laughs> it works on the premise that you would wash the clothes you're wearing. You'd strip off, pop your clothes in the, the washer, get on the suntan, and when you're done... You've got some wet clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, it, it's an idea. At the time of airing, this was November, so they were headed into winter where people would be losing their tans. It was a good business idea. But what goes wrong? So many things. But before they go wrong, everyone wants a piece of the pie and everyone wants to be an investor. So who invests at the bar? Everyone except Woody and... No, everyone except Woody. And why doesn't Woody buy in? Ah, because he gives some advice from his father, which we can play. Never trust a man who can't look you in the eye. Never talk when you can listen. And never spend venture capital on a limited partnership without a detailed analytical fiduciary perspective. (laughs) Good advice from Woody there, I think. Uh, th- there's been a few times where Woody's had some money-related episodes, I guess you'd say. Feels like he's learned from them a little bit. Sam screwed him over in the past, and he forgive and forget. He's got a number of these stories from his past that seem prescient at a certain moment, hasn't he? Almost two on the nose. There was one in an episode at the start of the season where he's, someone says, women, and he says, that reminds me of something my uncle used to say. And someone says, what's that? He says, women. <laughs> <laughs> he's lived. As are Woody, he's lived a traumatic life of bowling incidents, uncles which have lost thumbs or something. For whatever reason, he, he doesn't invest in Washington. But I guess the one important thing is he's fairly happy not to be invested in it. Yes, exactly. Through the ups and downs, he's fairly uh, consistent in uh, not really caring. And again, it shows there's a, a line later in the episode where Diane describes him as adorable. And he is adorable, even though he's everyone else helps in the next scene, helps Norm promote their business. 
by getting tanned and washing their clothes and coming into the bar and selling it to everyone to try and push people to go. And Woody does the same, but with no incentive or ulterior motive. He just wanted to go. (laughs) And it's really nice. The business is failing a little bit because of a winter heat wave, which apparently is a thing. Boston's a traditionally cold winter city, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But then this heat wave comes in and they've got temperatures which rival Hawaii. Yeah, and there's, there's quite a nice line from uh, someone in the bar who says to Norm that he's got the guts of a burglar to be peddling a tanning salon on the sunniest day of the year. It kind of shows how, how bad business is getting. So all of his friends have invested in tan and wash. They've got no one, pretty much. And Carla even says that she went past and all she could see was uh, a woman kicking a machine, to which she says that she needs a quarter back and her foot hurts or something like that. And I'm thinking, how is your investment going to get any better if you're going in there and smashing up the joint? Yeah, Carla. <laughs> You alluded there to one of the fellow barflies who, you know, uh, criticised Norm. That was your boy Steve Gianelli, Stevie G, who appeared. And Paul Wilson also appeared as Paul. Al Rosen was uncredited as Al, who was happy to just observe this play out. He gave no opinion on it. Something which we can talk about is uh, we did get each of the sort of cast members reveal their new tan and wash looks. Sam comes at him looking quite sort of... Magnum. Magnum PI, yeah. Cliff comes in looking quite orange, apart from his socks. <laughs> and uh, someone who does come in to reveal their new look is Fraser, who was sort of blistered all over. It's a bit sunripe tomato, isn't he? It leads to a great section, though, where Carla never want to pass up the opportunity to insult Diane. And Diane's going like, I'm having such a good time with Chad. And Carla's well annoyed with this. So Fraser comes in to sit down, blistering, peeling. Fraser, a sunburn? No, I'm doing my impression of a blood blister. (laughs) Hey, Frasier, you know, there's something I've always been meaning to ask you. What was your reaction the first time you saw Diane naked? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great line. It's a classic moment after she hits him on the back and uh, he screams. One of the highly memorable moments from Cheers. And certainly in the, this first six episodes, it's it stood out for me as one of the most humorous. Yeah, I'd put that for those quick sort of one-off gags alongside uh, Norm's beer key dilemma at the, in the previous episode. So where are we next? I think we can start talking about um, when Diane did return from her date. James mentioned that she was singing all over the place and she alluded to quite a few things, trying to bait Sam a bit. Sam doesn't want to take the bait, but he does want to find out. So he sends Woody in to sort of infiltrate, which leads to a really nice rundown of Diane's date as explained to Woody. The ballet was exquisite, but it paled by comparison to the enchanting coach ride under the stars. Chad held her porcelain-like hand lightly, (laughs) tracing tiny circles on her alamander... Alabaster. Alabaster. And then, fearing that the spell might be broken, she invited him up to her pied de tear for some quiet conversation and warm brandy. And then... What? (laughs) Miss Chambers said, if you want to hear the rest, you got to ask her yourself. Forget it. Forget it, man. Oh, ask her, Sam. Really loves some gossip, doesn't he? There is a lovely part of that scene, which is Diane comes in humming a tune, obviously trying to, like you say, bait Sam. And Woody 
gets sent off to find out what happens and comes back humming the same tune and it's so lovely i love the smile on his face where he was like you never believe this sam he loved that gossip and he was ex- as excited as diane was yeah <laughs> And there's almost a feeling that he doesn't quite know what his story he's recounting. <laughs> he's just repeating it <laughs> verbatim. Yeah, which was endearing. That, as I say, he just quoted the exact words, including getting confused between Alamander and Alabaster. Yeah, it reminds me of when you were young and you watched a TV show with your parents, a comedy, and they laugh at something and you laugh along because you just enjoy laughing, but you have no <laughs> idea why it was funny. That's the beauty of the laughter track. Yeah. (laughs) I don't understand any of these jokes, Barry, but I know when to laugh. What it ultimately leads to is Diane having a change of heart. uh, And she ends her affair de cour with Chad because she realizes that she has been toying with Sam. And I'm like, well, you could have realized this 20 minutes ago. And how does Sam respond to her telling him this news? Nonchalantly. Yeah, he plays along initially, but then makes it quite clear that he's indifferent. I'm surprised that Diane's still working there. We alluded to this in the season premiere of this episode, where Diane just showed up at Cheers and was just like, I'm going to stay here until we have kids. And I'm surprised that she does that because Sam is the authority to not pay her, should he wish. Which is why this back and forth isn't quite working at the moment. And I don't think, when did he actually rehire her? Because last we heard in the previous season finale, she quit. And now she's just is showing up again. And I think Sam's just going, like, please just shut up and take my money. I think he enjoys it. Even if the relationship side of things is annoying, it's that familiarity, isn't it? And they still have the banter and still everyone. It's normality, perhaps. That's how things should be in the bar. I was going to talk about the new venture business and how it's hit some rocky ground due to the summer heat wave. Tan and Wash is not doing too well. And everyone's getting angry at Norm about this because their investment isn't getting the return that they wanted. Which is, I think, a bit unfair. The whole point of investment is to, you know, gamble, essentially. It has hit some rocky ground. They're angry about it. And they went, quick, Norm, take back our stock. But he, he does. Apparently, he does give them their money back. But I don't think they were investing huge amounts. Cliff bought five shares. Well, I guess it, Norm would probably pay, what, 140 150 at most to rebuy it. But I doubt that he would be rebuying it, he'd be giving them money back. So he would lose out. So actually, maybe he kept it not out of a favour to them, but because he didn't want to lose money. So he kept their money in. I don't know how the stocks work. But if, if he gave their money back, then that's surely out of his own pocket. Because we do later find out that he didn't actually take their stocks out. Yeah, after he comes in with a like a fur coat, living the rich life, when it becomes an actual winter with snow and everything. And the, the business is doing hugely well. Big man Norm, you know, coming in. Probably getting lube stuff from the hungry heifer. It's like living the life. And they're all kind of pretty microaggressions towards him because of it. Very passive aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. I think Diane quite eloquently explains why they're angry. Because they have the jealousy. Jealousy. And they're angry with themselves for making a bad decision and pulling out. They walk in, or he walks in, and he doesn't get greeted with his normal uh, norm greeting, which I think is a first. Instead, they almost spat at him. In my head, they were spitting at him. You might call that a cold open. Oh, you, <laughs> with, your, with your words. and I didn't need a laughter track to know to laugh to that. That was... <laughs> norm kind of responds to this quite well, where he kind of just goes, you know what? I'll take my business elsewhere. Then he reveals that he didn't sell their stock and he goes, look guys, you got money. And they're like, oh, hey, yes, Norm, stocks, excellent. (laughs) And how do they all celebrate? Uh, They go outside to have a snowball fight, which is a 
odd way to celebrate, but there you go. <laughs> and, and a difficult thing to act. I'm sure both of you have appeared in some sort of drama. John, I know you've been behind on the other side of the camera occasionally. James, you've been on stage. So when they ask you to do something that's background related, people often say rhubarb to each other just to pretend they're talking. In this case, we just see their feet bobbing up and down. I imagine that's quite an awkward scene. If you've ever seen the Friends title sequence with actual sound, and someone does this on, on the internet where they take music videos, they remove the music but put in ambient sounds. So you'd hear like shuffling of feet. And the Friends opening title sequence without music, but with just the sounds of the environment is hilarious. When David Schwimmer is in the fountain, you just hear... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't the internet a wonderful place? <laughs> but uh, whilst around all having the best fun of their life, pretending to be having the best fun of their life, Norm gets a call through and realises that some bad news has hit the business. Yeah, which is also, again, another adorable moment for Woody, who listens to this heated exchange on the phone and then asks, bad news? To which Norm replies, no, it was a wrong number. And Woody says, oh, I hate it when they do that. <laughs> it's so silly. But he has to break the bad news to the gang, where he phrases it as a kind of hypothetical situation about what would happen if the, if the roof caved in because of snow, you know, just hypothetically speaking. And of course, they throw snowballs at him, predictably so. Even more so, without insurance. I guess that is the clincher, isn't it? And I think there's some valuable lessons here, you know? If you're going to set up a uh, tan and wash, make sure you insure the building. Fraser could have sued. Is that the takeaway from this episode? <laughs> Fraser could have sued. That's the trivia bell. Shall I start then? Yep. What is the first drink order after the cold open? Ah, because I remember it's a... Isn't it an orange... A tall orange drink, because Sam is mixing it, but he puts it on the tray and removes it to add something to it. And I think that might have been just so he's still got some acting to do while Diane talks. Yeah, the the, the old cutting the limes. You have a colour, so it's closer than John so far. John, what do you have? I mean, uh, uh, a Long Island iced tea. It's uh, two vodka martinis and a wall banger. Mm. And wall banger is that, that orange drink, uh, which you spoke of let me go so i've got a question here when fraser is on the tanning machine that burns him three questions firstly what goes wrong with it secondly which tanning machine is it and thirdly uh, which room is it in i think i can go three for three i, I think i can just say one thing so <laughs> all i remember is the number two well, I'll say that you don't remember that, John. <laughs> Faulty regulator of the Bahama Mama in room number three. Well, it's machine number three in the Bahama Mama. Well, I'm going to be extremely kind and give John no points. <laughs> and James, I'm going to give you two points. According to Cliff, when did the tan first gain popularity? Well, he's wrong. I can tell you that already. <laughs> I want to say Roman times is what Cliff claimed. What, what do you think, Barry? More uh, on the nose than Roman times. Um, oh, Bronze Age. Yeah, the Bronze Age. Oh, yes, yes. Why do you say he's definitely wrong? From what I can remember, wasn't the tan as a fashion thing first coined by Elizabeth Taylor and therefore is in the 1950s or 60s? Maybe. I mean, I, I, it's, it's really a 50-50 flip a coin, you or Cliff, who do I believe? Well, James has the internet and I'm hoping that 
we can verify something here. So it wasn't Elizabeth Taylor, but in the 1920s, fashion designer Coco Chanel accidentally got sunburnt while visiting the French Riviera. When she arrived home, she arrived with a suntan and her fans apparently liked the look and started to adopt darker skin tones themselves. Mm-hmm. I said Elizabeth Taylor, but really it was Coco Chanel. Thank you, James. When Woody checks his legs into the locker room, what number ticket does he get back? Six. It is a six. Well done, James. That's the last call at the bar. What an episode. I mean, I, I have no idea what we're going to go for the special here. You mentioned some drinks in the trivia round, James. Yes, but I think instead of the drinks I mentioned, we could have a Bahama Mama cocktail. Mm. Hold the sunburn. And uh, I guess this might be a chance to raise, raise a glass to new ventures and small businesses. Uh, any businesses people want to shout out? The Cheers Podcast t-shirt franchise. Oh yeah, yeah, let's plug some merch, James. <laughs> so you can check us out on Redbubble, where we've got a few designs for you to peruse. And we've also got a Patreon page, where you can also subscribe to further content beyond our weekly podcasts. Do you sell shares? Not yet. <laughs> but maybe one day. Yeah, and as James says on our Patreon, we've got lots of additional content. We've got some monthly newsletters, maybe a, a chat with us, a, a shout out on this podcast itself, and even some bonus episodes that you could listen to. We're, we're going to be reviewing some Cheers spin-off episodes from other series and lots more good content. So if you're interested, you know, support us, support Tan and Wash. We'd love to get you on board as one of our bar patrons. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast.